0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I want to welcome all of you. It's good to see so many familiar faces, and uh, good to see our uh, congregation scattered with some new faces. And we are thankful for all of you that are newer to Grace Crossing Church. Perhaps you've come and began attending this summer. Um, I might feel like the newcomer to you. Um, and so, uh, for for those who may not know me, I'm Gil Dukeman, uh, the lead pastor here at Grace Crossing Church. Last weekend, I spoke for the first time, coming off of a two-month sabbatical, and uh, it's really, really a joy to uh, be back here. And and to continue our series, Summer in the Psalms. Now, um, I mentioned last weekend, and just by way of reminder, we're going to continue this series all the way through the official end of summer which is the week of September the 19th. So I know that for many of us, this is the unofficial end of summer, uh, kind of the end of August, but we're gonna go all the way through the 19th of September uh, and and the change uh, of summer into fall. And uh, so really hope you'll continue to join us for our series, Summer in the Psalms. Very excited, by the way, about what we're sensing God is leading us to in our new series, which will begin on September the 26th. This will be an all-church, all-congregation, growth, faith-building series, series, and we want to encourage you to make plans uh, to join us for that as well. Those will be connected with our connection groups, so if you're not a part of a connection group, we would ask you to take these next few weeks to pray and prayerfully consider onboarding into one of our connection groups, which is Life on Life, where we believe God does his best work here at Grace Crossing Church. We really don't grow best in rows. We grow best in circles, remember, with a community of people. We're sharing and celebrating life with them. We're going through our hardships and our difficulty with them. So we want to encourage you to make plans and prayerfully consider joining and being a part of one of our connection groups. Well, coming out of my sabbatical, there are two uh, kind of realizations I had which were not new to me, but they were reaffirmed to me. Um, The first was that I am a better shepherd when I am a sheep first. That when I let God shepherd my heart, when I let God shepherd my soul, that I'm a better shepherd to those that God has placed in my trust to shepherd. The second thing I realized again and was reaffirmed is that I am a better Christian leader when I am a Christ follower first. I can't tell you the number of temptations I experienced in my two month sabbatical. And the greatest of those temptations was the temptation for me to take God's word in prayer and think about how I was going to deliver it here at Grace Crossing Church. When you've spent so many years of your life in ministry, one of the temptations that you have to avoid is coming to scripture and letting scripture be a textbook for ministry and not letting it be personal to you. And I resisted that temptation throughout my sabbatical. And I said, Lord, I I really want to come to your word in a fresh way. I want to pray in a fresh way. And if I can be honest, in a selfish way. I don't want to pray for those in ministry right now as much as I want to pray for my life, my family, my soul, and what you're doing inside of me. And that was just really a powerful time for me to be able to get reconnected to my shepherd, that the Lord is my shepherd, that I am first a sheep. That I am first a Christ follower before I serve him in vocational ministry. There were two psalms that God used that had particular significance to me during my sabbatical. They were personal psalms, but they're psalms that I've sensed now that the Lord wants me to bring to this body and share with you and give you a little insight into how the Lord was working in my heart On my sabbatical, the first one we began to unpack last weekend, it's Psalm 116. Before we zoom back in on Psalm 116, let me just zoom out for just a moment again and remind us that Psalm 116 is one of only six Psalms that are known in the Hebrew scriptures as Hallel Psalms, which means that word Hallel is a Hebrew word for praise. It is the root word, worship word, hallelujah. There's only six psalms, two-thirds of the psalms are laments. They are cries, they are pleads, they are actually at times complaints. But Psalm 116 is packaged in six psalms, Psalm 113 to 118, which are all about reminding ourselves of who God is and how faithful God is. David is writing and penning the words of Psalm 116 as he's looking back in his life and he's remembering all of the times and all of the ways in which God had delivered him. God had rescued him. God had redeemed him. I did that on my sabbatical. David was reminding himself that every time he had hit rock bottom, God was there with him in the rubble. And God is with us in the rubble when we hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. When we need God, God's there. And that gave us the big idea for Psalm 116, which is is this, God is closest when I am at my lowest. God is closest when I am at my lowest. I had somebody ask me recently, do you feel closer to God today than you've ever felt in your life? I can tell you, I come out of the sabbatical feeling his nearness in a way that is palpable. But as I look back on my life, that I can tell you that every time I have felt close intimacy to God when God has been closest, when he's been most near, it's been those times that I've been hurting the most. It's been those times I've needed his help the most. And I think the Psalms remind us of God's nearness, his closeness. I love Psalm 34, which I meditated on a lot during my sabbatical. Here it is. Psalm 34, 17 through 20. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Say all with me this morning. He delivers us out of all of our troubles. The Lord, now notice this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. I don't like the next part of this verse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I wish that said many are the afflictions of the unrighteous. Many are the afflictions of those who have turned away from God, but that's not what it says. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And Kelly and I have grabbed hold of this promise. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. My wife's bones are at risk right now. For those who don't know, she has metastatic cancer that has moved to her bones and has spread. And we know her greatest risk right now is to break a bone. We've been praying, God, keep her bones. Keep them from breaking. Hold her together. Though her body feels like it's failing her right now, hold her together. Rescue the righteous as you've promised you will do. Let me zoom in this morning now on what Psalm one sixteen spoke to me about on sabbatical. Actually, David does something really remarkable throughout Psalm one sixteen. He's reminding himself of the ways God had rescued him, God had redeemed him, and then he says, in throughout Psalm one sixteen, he says, "Because of this, I'm going to do something. I'm resolving in my heart." And David makes six stunning resolutions to God in 116 that I began to echo in my sabbatical. This was not about ministry. This was about my relationship with God. It was about what I have felt in my heart that God wanted me to do by way of declaring to him, this is what I'm resolving to you, Lord. Last weekend, we talked about the first and we moved into the second. Here's the first resolution. My first resolution I made on my sabbatical, Psalm 116, verse two, I will pray as long as I have breath. What David is saying here is this, there will come a day when your breath will stop and so your prayers will stop as well. Prayer is a vehicle to be in God's presence as long as we have breath. There will come a day you will not need prayer any longer and you will not have access to it because your breath will end. make no mistake about it. Death can take your breath away, but it can never take your life away in God. The second resolution I made on my sabbatical is found in verse number nine. We moved into this from the end of last weekend. I will walk in the Lord's presence as long as I live here on earth. Psalm 116, verse number nine. Third week in my sabbatical, I took a day of solitude and I went to a state park and I I took a very long hike, which is one of the things I love to do. It's mental decompression for me. While I was out there, I realized pretty early on that I was not really wearing the right shoes for the kind of hike I was taking. I was wearing sneakers where the tread was worn off, all of the cushion inside was pretty much gone, and I was feeling every stick, every stone, every step that I was taking. My right foot was telling me to stop. It was telling my brain, don't do this. But my stubbornness was telling my brain, I'm young. I'm gonna be just fine. i get through this and everything will be good. The next morning, I could hardly get out of bed. I could hardly put weight on my right foot. I've been dealing with plantar fasciitis ever since that hike in the end of June, and I've been struggling with pain in my lower foot, especially near the heel of my foot. Thank God for orthopedic inserts that are helping me to recover. What I think I was realizing on my sabbatical was God was reminding me early in my sabbatical that I'm broken, that I'm needy, that I'm dependent on him. Every time I began to limp, I was reminded by the Lord that you're walking with a limp and that's the way you're to live your life. Is broken and limping and trusting me. And I'm committed to continuing to leading with a limp because I recognize that as I do, and I follow God, and I I humbly come to him with my brokenness and my weakness, God is there to meet me. As I say, Lord, I am resolving that I am gonna walk every day on this earth, whether it's hard or whether it's easy, I'm gonna walk in your presence. And you're there. Now, midway through Psalm 116, David asks his soul a powerful probing question. Here's the question David asks his soul in Psalm 116, verse number 12. David says, What can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? David, remember, is reflecting on the ways God had rescued him, that God had redeemed him. And he says, What can I possibly offer the Lord for all that he has done? For me, The answer to that question is found in the next four resolutions that David makes in Psalm 116. David said, there are four things I am going to resolve. In my heart, these are not flippant resolutions like New Year's resolutions. This is a man devoted to saying, God, I'm going to give you my best. My third resolution that I made on my sabbatical came in verse number 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will praise the Lord's name for saving me. In the scripture, salvation is called a helmet. Salvation is referred to as a horn and salvation is also referred to as a cup. The question is, why does David here say, I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord for saving me? The answer is found actually in the traditions and the culture of the Jewish faith, which as we read scripture today, they are lost to our understanding. In the Jewish faith, There are three primary pilgrim festivals, but perhaps the most significant one is what's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is an annual feast that actually celebrates God's deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. But particularly, it is actually representing and celebrating how God had not only rescued them, how God had not only led them in an exodus and the Passover, but that God had faithfully met them throughout the wilderness journey. And at the celebration of the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which happens on Passover, there is a meal that's always celebrated. It's called the Seder Meal. At that meal, there is not just one cup drank by the participants, but they actually drink four cups at the Seder meal, four cups of wine. And they are symbolic and represent what God did for the children of Israel in keeping his promises. They are actually found, these four cups are uh, represented in Exodus chapter six, verses six and seven, which tells us, I am the Lord And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. Now notice, I four things God promises. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. And I will take you to be my people. Each cup that they drank was representative of one of those promises. Fast forward from the Old Testament to the New Testament. When Jesus is drinking a cup at the Passover meal with his disciples, the final meal that Jesus would share would be at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Passover. And here's what the scripture says. Jesus took the cup after supper and said, take and drink, this is the new covenant in my blood. The question is, which cup did Jesus pick up? In the Jewish faith, the third cup is the cup that is celebrated after the meal. And the representation of the third cup is the promise of God that I will deliver you, that I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Think about this. Jesus at the Passover meal with his disciples is saying this, I'm lifting the cup of salvation and I'm not giving you an old covenant, I'm giving you a new one. And the new covenant is, I'm gonna redeem you with outstretched arms. You're gonna be saved with outstretched arms. And I am always going to stretch these arms of my salvation for you regardless of what comes your way. My resolution that I made on my sabbatical is that the foremost thing that I will always give thanks to God for and praise God for is the fact that God has saved me. And do you want to know what the greatest barometer of the authenticity of our salvation is? It's when we we can praise God and we can give thanks for the cup of salvation while we're still waiting for God to rescue us. It's easy. To lift the cup of salvation after you've been saved, after you've been rescued. But can we lift a cup of salvation to God and say, I thank you for saving me even as I'm waiting on you to rescue me? Which brings us to my fourth resolution, found in verse number 14. I will keep my promises to the Lord. I will keep my promises to the Lord. I want you to notice what David does. David transitions from God's promises to him to his promises to God. He says, now that I see what you've promised me, I want to tell you that I'm going to keep my promises to you. When you think and hear this word promise, I want you to think of a promissory note. A promissory note is a an agreement that is made between two parties that actually says I will fulfill an obligation that I made to you. I have a safety box and in that safety box I have a number of promissory notes that I have made through the years that have been completed. They've been fulfilled. And there's something beautiful about getting that document at the end of the promissory note period when you have faithfully dispensed and fulfilled your obligations. Now in my life, as I look back, there are three promises that I have made to the Lord in my life that I can remember. Two of them had to do with ministry. The first promise that I remember making was when, was when I was just 16 years old. And I gave my life to Christ and I decided that I was going to turn away from the life of dependence on me, where I got my identity out of what I was doing and how others accepted me. And At the age of 16, I turned to God and I said, Lord, if you will redeem me, if you will give me forgiveness, I will give you my all. And I felt, almost immediately a call from God to ministry. And I vowed and I made a promise that day that I was going to love the Lord my God with all, all my strength, all my might, all my soul, all my mind. The second promise I remember making actually came in May of 1991 when I was ordained to vocational ministry I'd went through a licensure process at three levels. And I finally had gotten the life experience that was necessary where they could actually say, we can ordain you because we see the fruit of your ministry. And I was ordained to the ministry by a group of presbyters. I'll never forget that day. Because in that promise I made to the Lord in that day, there were several components of it. I promised on that day that I would do my best. I would strive to live a life worthy of the calling that God had given to me. I promised on that day that I would fulfill and dispense my ministry duties in a way that brought glory to God and not glory to me. And I promised on that day that I would preach the word, the whole counsel of God, regardless of whether it's easy to accept or hard to accept, that I would bring the full counsel of God to bear in the preaching and I'd be faithful with his word. Early in my ministry, there was a verse God gave me out of Psalms that really began to summarize the promises I made to God, my commitment to him. Psalm 78, verse number 72. David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands he led them. My commitment to God on that day was that, God, I wanna be a person of integrity. I wanna integrate into my life the fullness of who you are and what you're doing. And man, I didn't know much about that in my early days of ministry, but I since have learned what integration means, how to do it better. It's taken time, it's taken the help of others, it's taken the acceptance of others to be able to do it. And I said, Lord, I wanna be a person who leads with skillful hands, but never let me get that order backwards because my integrity of heart matters most. And I wanna do that so that I can then lead with skillful hands. My fifth resolution that I made to the Lord is found in verse number 17. David says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The reality is when we read a verse like this, again, much is lost in our culture today that we don't understand when we read a scripture like this. Here's what I mean. We think of thanksgiving as a return for some kindness done to us. In other words, it's easy to thank someone when they've been nice to you, right? People have said good things about you. You can be thankful. You can return thanks. How about when somebody does something kind for you? Isn't it easy to be able to say thank you? But but what David's talking about here is much deeper. It's, It's much more soul based. David calls this thanksgiving a sacrifice. And in the Jewish faith, when the children of God came to the temple to bring their act of worship to God, it always cost them, it was always a price. Their thanksgiving offering to God always came at a cost. They did not just come and bring something that was worthless, they came and brought something of value. Listen, biblical thanksgiving will always cost us. Because biblical thanksgiving is when we give thanks to God when we are still waiting for the source of our thanksgiving to come through. When we are still waiting on God for something significant to happen in our life, but it has not yet happened. It is a sacrifice. And what specifically are we called to sacrifice and why is it so important? I think we are called to sacrifice anything that diminishes God or keeps us from seeing him more clearly. Our sacrifice of thanksgiving is that we are sacrificing our will. We are sacrificing our demands. We are sacrificing our our wants. We are laying those things down before God in an act of sacrifice because we love him. And because we can look back on our life and we can remember all the times and all the ways that God came through for us. Sometimes he came through in ways I didn't expect. Sometimes I wish God came through in a different way for me. But I can always look back and remind myself that God was faithful, even in those dark times. I love what Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five, verse number eight. He said, what bliss you experience when your heart is pure. For then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. Do not think of purity as perfection. Think of purity as authenticity, genuineness, realness. And I believe a pure heart is a thankful heart. It is a heart that is filled with gratitude for all that God has done and all that God will do, even as we still wait patiently for God to act. Which brings me to my final resolution that I made to God on my sabbatical. It's found in verse number 18 of Psalm 116. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Listen friends, it's one thing to make a private promise. It is another thing to publicly proclaim your promise, to keep your vow. I said to you that I made three promises in my life to the Lord that I can remember. The first two being when I gave my life to Christ and when I was ordained to the ministry, but there's a third promise I made. This promise I'll never forget. This vow I'll never forget. Because I made it on January the 21st, 1984. Who is that guy up there? (laughs) Kelly looks exactly the same. I don't know what happened to me. I have no idea what happened. I I, I mean, they say the years are good to you. I just don't know. Uh, And don't kid me about the mustache either, right? It It was my best attempt. With a little mascara, it looked okay on my wedding day. Oh, don't look at me that way. You you men young men know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I stood on that day and I was I was young. I'm not so sure looking back, I fully understood. The vow I was making. Not so sure I understood the depth of love. But on that day I made a promise. And I reaffirmed my commitment on my sabbatical, my resolution to God, that I will keep my vows that I made before your people. There were hundreds there that day that heard me stand up publicly and say this to Kelly. Here it is I, Gilbert, take you, Kelly, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this time forth for better for worse for richer for poor in health and in sickness to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy ordinance and this I promise I promise you And I reaffirmed on my sabbatical that my commitment is not just to the promises I made to God for ministry. Kelly is my ministry. My family's my first ministry. And I said, Lord, I will fulfill my promises and my vows I made to you in every area. My marriage is one of the biggest ones. And these are the resolutions that God gave me out of Psalm 116 that I share with you today, and I ask you to pray for me, that I will trust the Lord, that I will follow the Lord, that I will be faithful to the resolutions and the vows and the promises that I have made to God in my life. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.